wonderful to hear that story read to us. I've called this series Joyful Living. And in this introductory talk, I've called it Paul's lockdown letter. A year can feel like a very long time. It's nearly been a whole year since we last gathered as a church physically in the school hall. It was on the 15th of March, 2020. What a year it's been. And since then we've been meeting, but we've been meeting online like this on YouTube, or we've been gathering on Zoom. And who a year ago would have heard of Zoom? And we've been through a series of lockdowns, but we're beginning to see the light at the end of the tunnel. A year is a long time in a pandemic, and a year is a long time in prison. Paul writes this letter from prison. He has survived death threats and shipwrecks, and now he is in Rome and awaiting his trial before Caesar. He's already written letters to the Ephesians and the Colossians, and then another year on in prison, he puts pen to parchment yet again, and this will be his last letter to a church, to a congregation. And he writes to the church in Philippi. He will write other letters, but they will be to individuals like Timothy and Titus, encouraging those younger leaders, kind of passing the baton on to them. As he writes to Timothy, the time for my departure is near, I have fought the fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. But Philippians is that last letter to a church. Now, if you take into account Paul's two years in prison in Caesarea, he's now been in prison nearly five years, all for his faith in Jesus, for his belief in the resurrection, for his commitment to the gospel. We might expect this letter to be full of regrets, frustration, missed opportunities, that Paul might even be a bit depressed. But no, the big theme in Philippians is joy. And that's why we've called this series Joyful Living. Paul uses the word joy or rejoice 16 times in these four short chapters. Paul is more aware of who he is and whose he is than all the disappointments and frustrations that surround him. And the Philippians knew that Paul's default disposition was joy. They remembered how he and Silas sang those hymns while he was in prison with Silas. You see, Paul never got over the wonder of it all, the wonder of the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Simply put, salvation through Jesus Christ alone, forgiveness, eternal life, gifts of Jesus, all accessed just by faith, by believing in Jesus. And this gospel, Paul knows, makes us free on the inside, makes us new on the inside, makes us strong on the inside, but it also makes us joyful on the inside. And Paul also knew that he was part of God's plan and purpose. It's so easy to fall into discouragement when things don't go according to our plans. 
It's easy to feel sorry for ourselves or get overwhelmed by life's circumstances. But this lockdown letter encourages us to see things differently. And as a church, to keep our eyes on Jesus. To look like Jesus. To sound like Jesus. To live like Jesus. And Paul knows that any church like that is unstoppable. In this introduction, I want to focus on four remarkable features of this letter. They all happen to begin with a P. The place, the people, the purpose and the power of God. So first of all, the place, Philippi. The city's name comes from Alexander the Great's father, Philip of Macedon, who captured the place in 360 BC and named it after himself, Philippi. It became a Roman colony as a result of another battle. The Roman armies loyal to the murdered Julius Caesar, led by Mark Antony and Octavian, and later Octavian would become Emperor Augustus. They led an army and defeated the rebel armies led by Brutus and Cassius. That same Augustus is mentioned in Luke's Gospel. He is the one who issues a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world, meaning everyone having to go back to their hometown to register. And that would make Mary and Joseph take that journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And Jesus would be born. And Philippi was honoured and it became a mini Rome. Philippi would be honoured again in a very different way. It would be the first place in Europe that would hear the good news about Jesus. That there was a new king and his name is Jesus. The Philippians would be the first European church as Paul reaches them in about AD 50 and plants the church. What about the people? Paul planted the church around AD 50, but a church is made up of people, men and women, young and old, families and singles, rich and poor. Let's take a moment to look at the remarkable people who were part of that first church in Philippi from Acts 16. It's a, quite a diverse group of people from all walks of life. There's a businesswoman, a slave girl, and a jailer. First there was Lydia. She opened her heart and her home to the gospel and the lordship of Jesus Christ. She was a seeker of God. Paul met her at a place of prayer. It's interesting to note that there was no synagogue in Philippi. There wouldn't have been enough Jewish men to make up a synagogue. But there was a place of prayer. And Paul went there to meet with people. And Lydia was one of them. She was a successful businesswoman, a dealer in purple cloth. That was a, a luxury product. And she was a seeker of God, a worshipper of God. She just needed to be introduced to Jesus. And when she did and she believed, she was baptised, her and her whole household. Lydia became a follower of Jesus and invited the missionaries into her home. Next, we met that slave girl 
who was under the influence of a spirit, note not the Holy Spirit. And she earned her owners or her pimps a lucrative living with her fortune telling. And as Paul preached in the power of the Holy Spirit, he encountered this girl. In fact, she followed Paul and Silas around for days, shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God who are proclaiming the way to be saved. Which was true. But Paul found it a bit annoying as it was being a distraction to what he was trying to do. After days of this girl following them and shouting about them, Paul turned to her and prayed for her. And she was delivered from that spirit. It left her and it left her owners without their lucrative income. And this brought Paul into conflict with her influential owners. To say that they were not pleased with Paul was an understatement. This resulted in an arrest and a flogging and imprisonment of both Paul and Silas, actually an illegal act as Paul was a Roman citizen in a Roman colony. As Paul knew and he would write, God has the ability to turn all things for good. And it's in prison that we meet the third convert, the jailer. Paul and Silas were put right in the heart of the prison. They were chained and had their feet in stocks. But there was an earthquake and everyone's chains fell off and the prison doors flew open. And it may be just me, but I would think that's an amazing sign that they should leave. But they didn't. The jailer woke up and saw the prison doors open and he was about to kill himself thinking that everyone had escaped when Paul said, stop, don't harm yourself. We're all here. The jailer was convicted and he asked Paul this question, what must I do to be saved? What an amazing question. I remember that's happened to me once. Someone's turned up at the door and asked, what must I do to be saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus, says Paul, and you will be saved. And the jailer believed and his household and he was baptized. And many others came to faith in those few days that Paul and Silas were in Philippi because we're told that as they left, the brothers and the sisters met in Lydia's house to say goodbye. And finally, the, the purpose and the power of God. Paul knew all too well that God's plans and purposes are not always the same as ours, but they are always bigger and better. Think of just how Paul got to Philippi is amazing. Paul had hoped to take the gospel into Asia, but we're told in Acts that the Holy Spirit stopped them. Doesn't say how. They tried Bithynia next, but the spirit of Jesus wouldn't let them. We're not told how. But then Paul has a dream, a vision. And he sees a man from Macedonia in his dream, begging him, come over and help us. And so Paul was obedient. And he and his companion come to Philippi. 
We may have all sorts of plans, but if we want to go God's way, we need to be prepared to lay them down in the knowledge that God's plans for us are the best plans that we could have for ourselves. God led Paul so clearly. God has plans for his church. God has plans for us as a church too. We know that he has been at work in this very different year. And we're praying that God will show us the way that he wants us to walk in the coming days. But as I've reflected during this year on um, just the joy it's been to be part of this fellowship over nearly 25 years, to be part of the story of Chipping Camden Baptist Church, I have remembered all the ways that God has so clearly led us, particularly in church planting. I remember arriving and uh, having this vision for revival in the Cotswolds and to see new churches planted. It's been part of our vision from that time. The Lord graciously added to our numbers and Alpha really took off and we, we even had 50 people on one of our early Alpha courses. It was amazing. We had a group of believers who were traveling over from Shipston uh, who were part of our church here. But there was also a very tiny Baptist church in Shipston. I felt really convicted by God that we should do something together. I remember going and visiting that tiny church and, and kind of audaciously maybe asking them to close and join with us so that we might plant a new church. And to cut a long story short, they did. And Stour Valley Baptist Church was planted in just this past few weeks. They've celebrated their 22nd anniversary. Six years later, I remember driving through Bidford on Avon and clearly felt the Lord say, now we and others had been praying about a church plant for some time. I felt God say, now is the time to plant a church in Bidford. I rang the home group leader that day, saying that I had some exciting news to share and would love to come to the house group meeting that night to share it. I remember the home group leader saying to me that it wasn't probably the best time. Home group had been struggling. They'd only been gathering two or three people each week, and they were actually thinking of calling it a day. I said, well, I'd love to come anyway. And that evening, 14 people gathered in that house group. And within a year, we had over 30 adults and 15 children as part of a new church plant in Bidford. And we've seen that church flourish and grow. It's called The Barn now. Don't know if you remember, but four years later from that, we felt God say to us that we were to make more room for God and we moved to the school hall. We've been meeting there over 10 years now. But in that time, we've seen ministries flourish. Just our food bank, we've been celebrating uh, its ninth anniversary. But there have been many other ministries and we've invested in youth and children's work. As we've listened to God, he has led us. 
and now we're investing in the community in Stowe and Joy uh, Diamond is our community listener and we believe that God is laying an amazing foundation for a new work there. We are excited about God's work amongst us and what he will lead us into in the coming days as long as we are attentive to his voice. Paul loved the church in Philippi. You can tell that as you read his letter. He was a servant of God. He doesn't begin his letter by saying, you know, having to assert his authority as an apostle or anything like that. He actually knew that he was loved by the Philippians. They had taken care of him. He addresses them as the saints, the holy people, those who God has set apart. Yes, who live in Philippi geographically, but who actually really live in Jesus Christ. And his encouragement, as we will see as we go through this letter, is to live joyfully in Christ Jesus, to keep their eyes on him, to look more like him, to sound more like him, to be more like him, to rejoice in the Lord always. As we hopefully come out of this latest lockdown, as the vaccines um, do their job, as we see the signs where we can open up and, and be gathered again to, together as we would want to be, it's incumbent upon us to pray and to seek God, to know the plans that he has for us. Paul says that he can rejoice in all circumstances. He may be in prison, but his heart is free. And only God's power enables us to do that. So living in Christ means we can joyfully live. We're praying together as a church that God will lead us and guide us in these days. And we believe that he can do even more than we ask or imagine because he has said so. So may God bless you where you are and may God bless us as his church in Jesus' name. Amen.